Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us here this evening or just out of our normal flow on this Sunday night. But I believe we're in the flow of the Lord here tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost is here. God is meeting us. And uh, I believe we're getting ready to receive something from the Lord. I want to get right into the Word tonight. I want to thank you for being here. I'm going to invite this incredible preacher with us here all the way from Sanford, Florida. We were blessed this morning. Our church has been just incredibly impacted as a result of the ministry of this family. And so I want to invite uh, evangelist Brother Marcus Baptiste to come at this time. Would you put your hands together and would you welcome the man of God as he comes to preach? Receive what the Lord would have for us tonight. Amen. 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 How many are you thankful to be with the body tonight and just worship with the people of God? Amen. What a what just what an awesome time uh, we had this morning. And I'm so thankful uh, for this music team and worship team that has uh, opened up the opportunity for us to worship uh, and just to connect with God. Uh, it's never something you can take for granted. Uh, it's something you could do at home, uh, but there's just something about it when you get to do it with believers, right? We get to do it together. Uh, we get to congregate together and begin to worship the Lord. So I am so, so thankful for that. Uh, it's good to be uh, in the great state of Indiana with your pastor and his wife and uh, their three boys. Uh, we had a great time today. Just got the chance to fellowship. Uh, if you don't have godly friends, you need to find some, right? They're, yeah, they they edify you. Uh, 2023 should be the year where you get rid of friends uh, that drain your faith and find friends that will fill your faith. And so, uh, so thankful uh, that we get the chance to uh, break bread with them. And uh, what a privilege that is. So good to have uh, my wife with me. And I've uh, we've just been talking about our time up here, and we really have had a great time. I know Sunday p.m. is a little bit out of the norm uh, for uh, this local congregation, and so I thank you uh, for the extra sacrifice that you have put in to be in the house of God. But how many of you know uh, that when you put forth effort, God acknowledges it and he rewards it? Amen. He's, uh, he, he sees uh, the sacrifice that we make, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm not going to take uh, too long. Uh, and Lord help me that that's not a lie, but uh, I'm not gonna. T- it's not my intent to take too long. How about that? Um, but I do want to do my best to relay some things and convey some things that would be to our benefit. Um, I was trying to figure out where to start with this, but I'm going to start in Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm of the opinion that that every single time uh, we get together. Uh, that God, God has a purpose and agenda. Uh, God's intentional. Amen. Look at the person next to you. Tell him God's intentional. God's intentional. And he has things that he wants to do. He wants to say. Uh, he wants to work on us on. And so uh, I do believe that the Lord has uh, something intentional for us here today. Um, I'm going to approach a subject. This is probably one of my favorite subjects. It leaks out. Uh, 
really throughout uh, anything that I kind of minister on, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, I can convey it properly and that uh, it would be of added benefit to you. Uh, I want to I want to add to your faith, and I hope this builds your faith here in the next few moments. But Luke chapter four. Luke chapter 4. You can stay with me a few extra minutes. You're doing a great job. I just like hearing you play. Amen. Luke chapter 4. And uh, I want to start with verse 1. If they don't put that on the screen, don't blame them. I, I didn't get them this. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. And we're going to jump around in chapter 4. And it reads, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Everybody say he was led into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. In those days, he did not. He, he did eat nothing. And when uh, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. Uh, I assume that that is what happens when you don't eat. Uh, verse three says, and the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of a God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered and saying unto him, it is written. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. The devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And you got to realize what's taking place here. Bible says that the devil shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh, and so he's not just overlooking. I know sometimes we try to uh, bring this down to an easier explanation, but he's not just overlooking Rome. The Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms. Now, how he did that, that's beyond me, but this is a supernatural experience that takes place. And he showed all the kingdoms in the world in one moment. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me everybody say worship me it's all about worship he said if you'll just worship me i'll give you all these things all shall be thine and jesus answered and said unto me get thee behind me satan for it is written thou shalt worship the lord thy god and his and him only shalt thou serve i want to talk to you about the centrality of the kingdom the centrality of the kingdom and uh, hopefully, well, let's speak faith. Uh, the Lord's going to help us tonight. And uh, I believe uh, he's going to add to our faith. And we're going to grow here in a little bit. If you're going to participate with the word, uh, I just want you to stretch yourself out beyond what's normal. You're already here at Sunday night. You're missing Sunday football. Uh, you're missing, uh, missing the Bulls playing the Warriors right now, I believe. And so uh, you're in the house of God. And so if you're here, we might as well be here. All right, so don't just be here in body, but let's be here in spirit and in mind and make sure that all of us is here right now. Uh, you guys did it so awesome this morning, but I wonder if we could do it again. We'll do it a few times because we're going to participate with the kingdom tonight. Can you just lift both your hands? And I know we've already prayed, but let's just pray one more time. And let's just ask that the Lord would have his way tonight. Father, we surrender our will.
We surrender our mind, Father. We surrender our attitudes to you today. God, we want your word to find a resting place, a lodging place, God, that it would grow. Jesus, I thank you for this beautiful group of people that are here tonight that are congregating for the purpose of knowing you on a deeper level. I pray, God, that you would exceed their expectation, that you would allow them to know you in a deeper way. Father, I pray, God, that there would be a sovereign move that would bring that would be ushered into this building god i thank you that you exceed our traditions you exceed our limitations you exceed the barriers we put on you god and today we give you an opportunity to express that which you can do god we give you glory and honor today because only you are worthy god we take ourselves off the throne we want to put you back where you belong father help this to be a real thing to us tonight i pray god that we we would come in connection with the reality of your spirit, that we would come in connection with the reality of your sovereignty tonight. God, we worship you for everything that you are. Help us to draw closer to your presence, uh, that we would know you in a deeper way. Father, today, I thank you, God, that you're so good and you've given us another chance uh, to draw closer to you. Jesus, we want to walk with you tonight. Let it be real for us, God, as real as it is for you. Uh, I pray, God, that you would roll back the curtains of humanity and you would allow us to take a glimpse into the spirit today that we would begin to seek and find you closer than we have ever before. We worship you today. Come on, I just want you to lift your voice just a little bit right now. We magnify your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to jump right into a few things here. And uh, some of it uh, probably seems self-explanatory, but I, I do think it would be of benefit for us to uh, kind of maybe revisit uh, when we're talking about uh, the kingdom, uh, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that as believers, as Christians, uh, we, all, uh, we all see the importance of the kingdom to one extent or another. Uh, this, is, this is something that we uh, realize is critical uh, to the scriptures, uh, and even uh, at times we realize uh, how vital it is for us. Uh, but uh, I, I want to kind of get beyond uh, what's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit uh, vague and kind of clear up for us uh, this thing called the kingdom and hopefully uh, set it in its proper place. Uh, there's, there's no way around this, but as believers, as disciples, as Christians, whatever label you want to put on it, uh, what, what needs to become central for us is the kingdom. There you go. Uh, what needs to become central for us is the kingdom. The kingdom needs to be central. Uh, it's not just another thing we seek. It's not just something else we get involved in. But it is the premier thing that we are a part of. It is 
the first and primary thing that we seek. We seek it first in order of priority, and we seek it first in order of, of, of time. Uh, I, I, I'm of the opinion that, that, that when you grow to the place where God wants you to be, the first thing you seek in the morning is the kingdom. Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you don't make decisions without acknowledging the impact that it has with how central the kingdom is in your life. Uh, we, we, we are accustomed to coming to church, and that is a good thing. Uh, that is a biblical mandate uh, from the apostles themselves, that we would uh, congregate together, that we would assemble together. Beyond assembling together, I want you to realize that the church uh, is not the only way in which we engage the kingdom. And if the only time you engage the kingdom is when you come to church, the kingdom is not central to you. It is, it's real easy uh, it's real easy to, to say our convictions. It's a lot harder to live them out. It's real easy to say, well, well I, I, I believe that the kingdom is central to our family, to our lives, to, to our, 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 our personal actions. But in all reality, if the only time you engage the kingdom is on Sunday and Wednesday and maybe uh, an extra service, and that's all good. I thank you for making uh, those, those efforts. But if that's the only time you engage the kingdom, the kingdom is not central to you. And it is the will of God that all believers place the kingdom in a central place. Everybody say it's necessary. It's necessary that the kingdom is placed in the center of our lives. Now, we're going to delve into a few things here, and, and, and I hope I explain this appropriately. And if, and if, if, if there's any, um, if, if there's any uh, ambiguity to what I say, your pastor can clear it up. But uh, in, in Luke chapter 4, uh, this is Jesus on the scene. Now, I don't know if you know this, uh, but, but Jesus, uh, he's, he's pretty powerful, okay? And so Jesus is on the scene, and in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says that he's full of the Holy Ghost, and he returned from Jordan. And the Bible says, and was led by the Spirit. Everybody say he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This wasn't a mistake that caused him to go into the wilderness. It wasn't an accident that provoked him into the wilderness. But it was the leading of the Spirit that provoked Jesus into the wilderness. I want to help you to understand this. When the kingdom is central to your life, it will not advance your cause. It will advance the cause of the kingdom. You want to know how you know if the kingdom is central to you? Is it causing you to do things that you do not want to do? I, I, amen. I know that's it's that's okay, but but let let, let let me let me let me just push this a little bit for, further. There, there are times, and, and I get it, when you're in the kingdom of God, and it's joy unspeakable, unspeakable, and full of glory. And it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be full of excitement and, and there's going to be so much testimony that you can bring into that. But when the kingdom is central to your life, there are moments, there are seasons where God will provoke you into places you do not want to go. I know we get used to preaching a gospel 
that strictly focuses on what we want and what is beneficial to us and what would be of provision or what would be of growth to our own state but there are times when the kingdom requires of us things that we do not feel comfortable doing or brings us into places we don't feel comfortable going and if that hasn't happened in a very long time I submit to you maybe the kingdom is not central to your life one of, one, of, one, of, one of the great defining factors of the kingdom is that it provokes flesh into uncomfortable places. There's no way around that. The kingdom provokes our humanity into uncomfortable places. If you are living out a Christianity that makes your flesh comfortable, and, 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 and I get it, there's churches throughout this region there's places of worship doing great things some of them are preaching truth some of them aren't some of them have are, are have, have distinctives about them that are great some of them don't and i'm not here to criticize what they're doing but i want to express a reality to us that there are times that as as a church we can fall prey to allow a sense of convenience to take over us because we don't want to be uncomfortable can i go beyond that we don't want to be offensive we don't want to be the debbie downer but there are times and it's more often than not that the kingdom will offend you your pastor is going to say something you don't like pastor is going to say something you don't agree with and I'm asking you just to be very honest. If you're disagreeing with him, that's okay. But if you're disagreeing with the scripture, that's not okay. Because the kingdom is supposed to be offensive. It's supposed to offend the things in you that aren't right. Can we get past the place of pacifying our flesh by trying to convince us that we're actually good? Right. To the place... It's, 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 a Pharisee, it's a Pharisaical mindset, but we take it on. I'm better than so-and-so, right? You know, you know people that justify their spirituality, and if you're honest, we do it, right? We justify our spirituality by comparing ourselves to someone else, right? Everybody has that one family member that's just real carnal, right, real fleshly, right? And whenever we want to examine our own spiritual state, right, instead of comparing it to the mark of the scripture, we compare ourselves to them. Well, I, I sure don't cuss like them. Don't do dip like them. Man, we, we, we don't compare our marriage to the standard that the scripture says. We just compare. Yeah, and and I, listen, I know I'm teaching, but while I'm teaching, I just kind of feel stuff just bouncing back. And I'm trying just to settle in, but we'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be okay right we don't compare our marriage to the standard of the scripture we compare it to the worst marriage we can find that we're connected to right right and we we we, we, just, we bring it up to our spouse we're not saying we're comparing it but we know what we're doing like, did you hear about so and so yeah i heard i mean i just can't i can't believe they parent like that and you know we would never do something like that you know, can't, can't believe they're doing that in their marriage. We would never. Wh what are we doing? We're trying to justify the fact that we're not comparing ourselves to the lens of the scripture, but we're comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says it is foolish. It's unwise to do. Why is it unwise to do? Because you might judge yourself by that standard and God does not judge yourself by that. It is a false weight. 
It is a false weight. You are gauging yourself by a standard that the Bible does not gauge you by. And we better be cautious that we don't fall prey to the fact that we are giving ourselves to comparisons that are not relevant to the scripture. There is a platform laid out in the Bible. Okay. We talk about being apostolic. What we mean is, is we mean our standard is not church tradition that emanates from some uh, ambiguous time period that we decide we'd like to go back to. Can I go a little further? That does not mean we're trying to be like Azusa Street. I, that, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a trap Pentecostals fall into. We're, we're just trying to reflect. We're not trying to reflect Azusa Street. We're not trying to reflect the, the, the 20th century. Okay? But what it does mean is that we are going to follow the principles and the patterns of the apostles. Apostolic is not a group of people. Apostolic is a methodology. It's a method that we engage. It says that we get our doctrine, not from what your grandma said or what some church father said, but we get it from the Bible. Okay. It says our form of worship. We're not just getting it from some vague period that we pull out, that, that we feel comfortable identifying with, but we get it from the scriptures. It says our lifestyle, the way we live, the way we act, the way we dress, the way we conduct all manner of conversations, the Bible says. That's not just what you talk. That's all areas of lifestyle goes back to the book. Now, let me push up against this notion that some would love to engage, that says, well, God's not concerned about those details. I know I'm the evangelist, but just let me teach a little bit. Right? <laughs> God's not concerned about the details. That's the pushback you get, right? God's not concerned about those details. God's not concerned about what you put on. God's not concerned about what you watch. God, God, God's not concerned about those details. Now, now, now I would... I would give those who give that argument due credit. If those aren't the same group of people who when uh, you find yourself in financial straits will then turn around and quote scriptures like if, 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 if he can clothe the lily of the field and, and Solomon wasn't even array like these, how much more will he provide? If, if, if they were so convinced that God was not concerned about the details, you're telling me God's so concerned about the details that he'll provide clothing for you, but he won't tell you what clothes to wear. Just seems a little inconsistent to me. God's not concerned about what you do with your hair and find yourself in, a, in, in an unprecarious place. And the scripture that somebody that'll say, well, God's not concerned about the details. Well, then turn to say, and he counts the hair on your head. Well, he'll count the hair on your head, but he won't tell you what to do with it. It just seems a little inconsistent to me. The reality is at times when we throw language like that by saying God's not concerned about the details, what we're really saying is God's not concerned about the details I don't want him to be concerned about. Why did it get, it's just, it's just getting tired. I just feel like I'm in a, just, <laughs> listen, I ain't scared of none of y'all. <laughs> God's concerned about the details. But the details that we let God in or the areas that we let the kingdom in. Can I tell you, there's not an area of your life that God does not speak to about in the scriptures. There's not an area. And there's two people on this, on this, on this pendulum. 
You have one side where they say God's not concerned about the details. And it's all lies because God's concerned about the details. You know, because if he, you lost your job and I came to pray, hey, can you pray for me? You're like, well, God's not concerned about the details, you know. Your kid's sick. Well, come on. You know how big the universe is? You think God's concerned about the details? Well, hey, pastor, can you, can you pray over our marriage? Slow down here. You, God's got more important things to be worried about. He's not concerned about the details. You got that side. But then you have this other side. This other side has a pretense of spirituality. where They, they don't want God to dictate to them what they should do or where they should go. They want a man to dictate to them what they should do and where they should go. This is the same spirit or the same attitude that the people of Israel fall prey to. The people of Israel, they turn to the prophet and they say, Samuel, listen, here's the reality. We don't want God ruling over us. We want a king. That sounds so, it sounds just so strange. We want a king. We don't want God ruling over us. We want a king. And Samuel comes to them and Samuel says, listen, I, before I go ask God about this, right, Sam was a patient leader, right? I'm, I'm not as patient. You know, Sam is trying to explain to them the wrong. He's like, listen, if you, if you, if you get a king, do you know he's going to take your money? He's going to take your women and sons? He's going to do all these disparaging things. And they turned and said, we don't, we don't mind. We just want a king. And I always ask myself, why is that? Have you guys ever asked that, like, I mean, he just got warned. Like, why you? Why? Why is that? Here's the reality. Why? It's because it is a lot. Oh, it is a lot easier to live under the kingship of a man than it is to live under the kingship of God. God sees and requires more than a man will ever see or require. And so, on that pendulum, you have those that say God's not concerned about the details. That's really, in my estimation, really what that is is I'm going to allow God to speak to the details that I let Him speak to. The other side is, well, we want a king. I don't want God telling me what to do. I want the man telling me what to do. Well, Pastor, am I allowed to go there? Am I allowed to do this? Okay. Language that people use when they're in this camp is, is it a heaven or hell issue? How many of you guys ever heard that before? I would ask how many of you guys have ever asked that, but I won't. Is that, is that a heaven or hell issue? Right? You try to see, has Pastor ever said anything about that? No, he hasn't. We're good to go. Did Pastor say we can't go there? No, he hasn't. We, we're good to go. Both are about control. Both are about control. The difference is, is that both are on opposite sides. But guess what? They're both wrong. Because it is the will of God that the person who dictates our life is God himself. Can I tell you the blueprint that the scripture lays out is a pattern that God is in control of the details. Marcus, how much detail? I I couldn't tell you. But you look how the book of Acts lays itself out. You look how the gospel lays itself out. When Jesus makes a decision, when Jesus goes somewhere, it's not something that is pushed or prodded by what might be a good idea, but it is provoked by the Spirit of God. It is led by the principles of the Scripture. Can I tell you, we cannot want what God has for us, but thwart or bypass the reality that we need to abide by the principles of the scripture. When's the last time you asked, 
Is my marriage in congruency with the principles and patterns of the scripture? Or what does God have to say about my finances? It's a lot easy. Now, I know people, it's a lot easy. It's a lot easy when you're on this side. Well, well, pastor just tells us 10%. So we give 10%, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I honor you for your giving. It's a completely different thing when you say, God, what do you want me to do with this? God, do you need me to bless somebody this week? God, do you need me to, do, do you need me to be a blessing to a single mom this week? Or, or do we need to? It's a Christianity that provokes us to centralize the authority of the kingdom. I'm going to move quickly here. I want to point out the fact that there will always be a kingdom that runs your life. Everybody say there's always a kingdom. Everybody say there's always a kingdom. There's always a kingdom that runs your life. We, we, we can be convinced. We can be convinced to believe that, 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 that there's somehow this in-between spot of where we live. This is, this is why one of, one of my greatest frustrations is not with sinners. I, don't, I, don't, I have very little frustration with sinners because I expect sinners to act like sinners. Um, my greatest frustration is with Christians because you can't always expect Christians to act like Christians. Amen. <laughs> one of my greatest frustrations sometimes with, uh, with us is that we can fall uh, we can fall under the umbrella of religion and try to slap the label of the kingdom over it. Because religion is what we control. We control the boundaries of religion. We control what religion looks like. Well, it looks like you show up here and you don't show up there. And we raise our kids this way. And we, we, but but when, you, when you begin to analyze the lens or you begin to analyze the, the, how the scripture lays things out, you cannot go far without a reality that God controls what his people do and don't do. I know that's not convenient to Western society. But God doesn't have a separate camp on what he's going to judge Americans by. This is the American and European camp. Okay. This is the Asian and African camp. Right. And when it comes time for this thing to come conclusion, you know, God's going to call us up. Right. And you got, you got your passport. He's going to pull out your passport. It was like, oh, God, I got the blue passport. It's American passport. Okay. So you judge me by this standard. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to judge you by the lens of the scripture. Are you guys with me? All right, stay with me just a little bit longer, but I just kind of want to delve into a few more things. I want to take you to the book of Acts. If you could turn there, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You can pull it out on your phone, but I, I want you to turn there with me. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I, I want to take your attention to verse 6. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. And this is kind of, this is kind of familiar, but... But, but I, want you to, I want you to see what's happening. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. If you're still turning there, just say, wait a minute. All right, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. And it says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Their concern, which was a very natural concern, was that, was God going at this time to restore this natural kingdom? And God looks at them, and he said unto them, it is not 
for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Their concern was, hey, God, is this the time when you're going to restore the natural kingdom to Israel? And he has to look at them and say, you're missing the whole point. This is after Jesus has died. Could you imagine? I'd be a little, if I'm Jesus, I'm frustrated, right? He's been beaten. He's been, he's been, he's been battered. He's been bludgeoned and he's died on the cross. He's risen. He spent weeks with them at a time and they're getting ready to see the inauguration of the church and they still don't get Jesus's priority. Doesn't that sound a lot like us sometimes? Here they are. And you know, I'm sympathetic to us because I'm not, I'm not the chief apostle, right? This is Peter, James, John. These are men that are supposed to be leading the church, and they still don't get the point. They're coming to Jesus, and they're asking Jesus, Jesus, is this the time you're going to bring about that natural kingdom we've all been waiting on? Jesus is like, you're missing it. It's not about a natural kingdom. It is about a spiritual thing that I am trying to do. Can I tell you? Uh, far be it from us to, to, to reduce the things of God to what is natural to us, to what is uh, convenient to us, to what is, uh, to what is, uh, to what is, uh, to what is, to what's relayed in what we can see and handle. And it's, this is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual thing. The Bible says very clearly, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we are in, we are entrenched in a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle is with other kingdoms. I'm talking about the kingdom of the world. And if you don't believe there's another kingdom, then you're, you're, you kind of got to wrestle with the scripture on that. This is why the Bible says, in whom the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And this is why it's so important for us to keep our eyes on eternity. I know sometimes it's, it's a little difficult because we live in such a day-to-day -day culture where it's day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to -day that, that we forget there's an eternity that we're wrestling towards. The gospel is not good news for you right now. It's good news for what's supposed to come tomorrow. It's a sparing that God has given to us that, hey, you don't have to pay the consequence of your own sin even though you deserve it. Realities of the kingdom. Just give me a few more moments here and I'll be done. The realities of the kingdom. Realities of the kingdom is that there is still a heaven and hell. I know we don't like that. But if there's no heaven and hell, why are you in church? There's a lot of other things you could be doing with your time. If there's, if there's not an eternal place that God has dictated that people will spend one or there's no alternative to it. I, I know, I know this isn't normal preaching, but, but, but this is biblical. Pre this is scriptural preaching. There is a heaven and a hell that we are working towards. Can I tell you, we're not laboring for right now. That's not what we're doing. We're not laboring for right now. One of the biggest concerns that we ought to have is that hell is more entrenched in the reality of soul winning than we are. 
that hell is more concerned about the spiritual, our own spiritual state than we are. I want you to think about that. Do you know that hell is more concerned about your own spiritual state and my spiritual state than sometimes you and I am? Hell's more concerned about your prayer life than you are. Hell's more concerned about your walk with God than you are. Different motives, but more concerned. And when we get numbed down and reduced to being a place or a people or a saint that is just looking at the here and now, we miss the whole point that this is a kingdom thing. What is this kingdom thing? This kingdom thing is that without Jesus, a lost and dying world will find themselves in a burning lake of fire. You can't get around that. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's so, it's, 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 it's not convenient. Right? It's, it's not a convenient truth. As a preacher, it's not a convenient truth. Right? It's not a comfortable truth. But you can't get around that the only reason why God robed himself in flesh and decided to bear upon him the stripes of whips and decided to stretch himself on Calvary was not so we can feel better now, but that he can spare us the consequence of our sin that does manifest in our todays, but is going to be a reality in our tomorrow. Reality is this, that without the good news, People will only live with what is bad. I know some people say, "How?" in the question that's always proposed, how can a good and loving God send someone to hell? How many of you guys have ever been asked that before? How many of you guys have ever asked that of yourself? Right? I've, I've, you know, if you're honest, how could a good and loving God send someone to hell? I remember I wrestled, this with, wrestled with this for some time. And, uh, uh, you know, you can, you, can que- you can question things and not leave. I don't think God minds questions, uh, but there's a difference from questioning something and questioning him, right? And so uh, I, I wasn't questioning his character, but I, I did. this was a real question for me. How could a good and loving God send someone to hell? Here, here's the reality of it. Uh, first off, God's goodness is not defined by us. That's number one. Number two, we also don't define love. Right? We, you know, what, what, what you think is love when you're disciplining your child, they don't think is love. But 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 I'll I'll, I'll give I'll give uh, I'll give those who argument this uh, I'll give those who who display an argument on this a fair shake uh, that that this is more than just a disciplinary action. I would agree, but uh, I I came to a point where this was something that I had to acknowledge. People who typically ask that questions uh, ask that question. I've been there. Uh, they they forget a few things. They forget that the reality that the only thing that is good is God. There's nothing that's good outside of God. That's why God is good. We mean that definitionally. God is good. There's nothing that's good outside. Air is not good. If you intake it too much, it'll mess you up. Get get too much oxygen. If you're underwater, I don't scuba dive. If you scuba dive, you come up too quick. Get too much oxygen in there. See what happens to you. You'll die. Water's good unless you're drowning in it. Fire's good unless it burns you. Food is good unless you overeat. Right? Only thing that is definitionally good 
If you take anything that you would call good, extract it, and you put it in a different context, it can be bad. But you cannot take God and put him in any other scenario and him not be good. God is the only thing that is good. And here is the reality of hell. Hell is everything that can exist without God being there. I know we say, well, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. He's talking about his omnipresence, his presence, his awareness, his ability to see there, his ability to be in that, in that locale, in terms of his eyes can survey there. It's like if you tell your kids, listen, I'm watching you. Don't, 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 don't go, don't go beyond my, he, he can see there, but hell is the reality of everything that is not good and is there. If you pull God out of the earth, that is the reality of hell. Look, look at the most chaotic thing man has ever endeavored to do. I don't know if you've ever done, done, all right, just give me a few more minutes here. Is this okay? You guys with me? I don't know. I don't know if you ever surveyed. I don't know if you ever surveyed the, non, the, the 1900s. It's, yeah, it's a time of innovation and, and growth, but it's a bloody time. I'm not a historian. I would consider myself a student of history, but but you know, I I, I like I like the 1900s. It's a great time to study. And the blood that soiled the earth under man's diktats, and not, most of it wasn't for religious purposes. We like to talk about Hitler, but you go to China, you see Mao, you go to Russia, you see Stalin, you go to Cambodia, you see Pol Pot, you go, you go, to, I mean, you go to Chile, I mean, anywhere you go, you go to Haiti, I mean, anywhere you go, the Rwanda genocide, I mean, blood after blood after blood, that sh- the hell that people were living in, because they extracted God out of the context. When people ask, how can a loving God Send someone to hell. What they're really trying to say is, how can I not be connected to God but still have his attributes? That's really what it is. You can't deny God but still want what he has. That's all hell is. Hell is where God is not. He's not there. That's what makes heaven heaven. Because he's there. That's why it's imperative that we get involved with the work of the gospel. The work of of the kingdom because what people are facing on a microcosm is the reality of hell because they don't have God a church should never be a church without a burden for the lost okay I know when you drive down your street you got problems there's this this type of Christianity that we preach that oh when you get the Holy Ghost you get baptized you don't face problems first off if somebody tells you that they're lying and tell them you want a refund okay you just you tell them I said it. You want a refund. It's not real Christianity. There's there's yeah, ask Paul, right? It's so it's so funny, right? Like Paul's looking down like, what did I like do something wrong? Like, what, what Christianity are you talking about? Shipwreck, beaten with rods, stoned, and here we are. If you get you get into Christ, I mean I'm telling you, it all get good, right? He's still trying to like patch himself up. He has no idea what kind of Christianity we're preaching. But we have problems. That's okay, because we realize we're living in light of eternity. But when you go down your street, how many houses are you passing by with people that know nothing about the gospel? They're living a life life without God. They might have money, but money's not intrinsically good. Only God's good. Money can mask things. 
Money can delay the reality of your hopelessness, but that's all it is. It's just a delayed reality. It's what entertainment is. You're, just, you're living in an alternate reality because you don't want to deal with yours. That's all it is. People living without God. And it's an indictment on the church. When we forget that it is our responsibility, it is our responsibility to expand the kingdom. What is it? To bring God into places where he's not. I'm not talking some far abstract sense that we just, like we're singing about it. I'm talking about in a very literal sense. Where are you bringing God that he's trying to go? To your coworkers, to your family, and if we're honest, to our home, to our lives. It's real easy to hide under, and, and, and here's, here's what's so awesome about this thing. I keep on pointing to my iPad, but I got a few Bibles in here, so just, it's my Bible. Here's what's so awesome about this thing. The evidence of Christianity are, are, are so bold. You got to consider it. They're not, they're, they're, they're not unclear. They're bold. They're bold claims. Bold claims. Talk about the fruit of the Spirit. You ever try to live out the fruit of the Spirit? Right? It's not easy stuff to do. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you get married, and then it's not easier. Right? And then I'm told when you have kids, it's definitely not easier. Bold claims. Bold claims that you can live selfishly, selflessly. Bold claims that, 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 that you would have power over the sick. Bo- these are bold claims. And we can't reduce those claims to fit our environment. So we either adjust or we adjust the reality of the scripture. But when the kingdom is central, we come back to the conviction that God, this is your work. And we submit ourselves to what you want to do. Can I tell you, God's not necessarily concerned about growing a church. He's concerned about growing his kingdom. And if this church has a kingdom-centered church, then the church is going to grow. Can I just be honest? God's not concerned about growing your bank account. Just give me five more minutes and I'm done. I got to look over at my wife. A little long. Okay, yeah. Five more minutes and I'm done. God, we, 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 can be, we can fall prey to the trap of believing that things are spiritual just because they seem spiritual. It's not what makes it spiritual. The Bible says Enoch walked with God, and it was not because God took him. Walking's not spiritual, but it becomes spiritual when you do it with Jesus. Your money's not spiritual, but it becomes spiritual when you do it with Jesus. Marriage isn't spiritual. I mean, look at the divorce rates. But it becomes spiritual when you do it with Jesus. Rearing kids are not spirit. It's not spiritual. But it becomes spiritual when you do it. When you pull the kingdom out of a location, I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care how you make it sound. It no longer is a spiritual thing. And guess what? If you pull the kingdom out of a church, Pull it out of your worship. Pull it out of your mindset. If it is not central, it no longer is a spiritual thing. I want us to all stand. My, my, my challenge has, has kind of been the same. I, I, I don't really remember what I preached on the last time I was here. 
Uh, but my challenge, I'm assuming uh, it was kind of something along this lines. I could be wrong. But my challenge to this church is that you get involved with the kingdom. I'm not, I'm not talking about a ministry. Now, that's great. Some of you guys talk about with Sunday school. You know, you sing on the platform. And that's, that's amazing. You need to continue to do that. I, 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 I honor you for your, uh, for your efforts. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you need to get involved with the kingdom. You need to get involved with prayer. And don't just pray, but pray, pr- pray with the kingdom at the center of prayer. Because you can pray and the whole time you're just praying for yourself. When's the last time you prayed, God? God, my neighbors, they don't, they don't know you. And I'm concerned about their spiritual state. Are you guys with me? Right. Hold on, I'll be honest. I feel, I just, this whole time I've been preaching, I just kind of just feel this resistance. And that's okay. I just kind of feel this resistance. And can I tell you, can I just speak honestly? Right. Right. As an apostolic church, if you think that God will not find someone else, you're deluded. You're deluded. It's, 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 it's kind of that spirit of Ashdai. You think you're not replaceable. The king calls for Vashti. Vashti says, listen, I'm not coming. You tell if the king needs to talk to me. He's going to talk to me. I'm not going to let the king embarrass me. And the king was so upset. And Vashti didn't understand. He'll find someone else. He'll find someone else. I don't know if you know this. The heartbeat of God is not your bank account. Heartbeat of God is not the material blessings you have. The heartbeat of God is the expansion of his kingdom. The heartbeat of God is people living in this area that look like they got it all together and they got money. But when they go to sleep at night, they go to sleep with their minds running 100 miles an hour because they have no peace. That's the heartbeat of God. Heartbeat of God are little kids growing up and they got, yeah, you know, this area I've surveyed doesn't look like a very bad or dangerous area. We're so used to uh, restricting the gospel to go to just drug addicts and sinners and with sinners that are explicitly sinners. That's not heartbeat of God is people that are entrenched in religion, but they're dying on the inside spiritually. It's the heartbeat of God. And if we want to answer the heartbeat of God, God will find somebody else. What I'm trying to convey to this church, if you will centralize the kingdom. Can I be honest? God has been waiting for intercessors to grow up out of this church. But it's been inconvenient for you. Because we're okay. If we're honest, we, we've all been there. Me and my family's okay. Me and my, we don't feel the pressure to. You know, and God will knock and he'll knock and he'll knock. But sooner or later he'll say, okay, I'll, I'll raise up another people. I'll, I'll go down there and I'll, I'll find the person you would have never thought I'd And I'll use them. It is to our benefit that we realize that we are privileged to be a part of the kingdom. And we better get a hold of it. This low standard that we set for us, that it is regulated and restricted to preachers to have a burden for the loss. You hear me. You hear me. To have a passion for souls. To have a conviction for sacrifice. God doesn't judge by that standard. It is the will of God that you and your family get involved. It's the will of God that you and your family 
get involved. If anything that I've said here in the last few minutes, I know I've taken some time, but if any of it has landed, uh, I just kind of want you to come to the front. We're going to pray here in a little bit. We, we won't need any music, but you can come down uh, with your family. You can come down by yourself. But if I've said anything that's kind of landed here, if you want to get involved with the kingdom, This is a great people, and I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, but, uh, but I know it sounds, and I don't know why it would be, uh, but I know it sounds strange as a preacher, uh, but there's a day we're going to stand before God. You ever thought we, I, I would never, you ever thought you'd get to a place where saying something like that would sound far off? Oh, he's strange. Could you imagine? Right. God help the American church. God, like, I, I know, but there's, there's this mindset among us that we're exempt. That we're exempt. And uh, your political opinions won't spare you, won't save you. Just because you're right on abortion. <laughs> just because just, just you're right on marriage, it won't save you. God help us. God help us. But you realize that there's people that are in your city there's people that are in your city right now who don't know God, who are struggling in their faith. Moms that are, that, you know, it's just, you know, they, 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 they just kind of masqueraded under, you know, a, a glass of wine every night. It's just it's masqueraded with just a few pills just to help them get along and get by. God help us. God help us realize that you have little kids that you see in your neighborhood that are running around and playing and God forbid that hell is more passionate about their spiritual state than you are. I know you don't have it all together, but guess what? You got the kingdom. And that's more than what they have. God's heartbeat is souls. When you get involved in the harvest, when's the last time you've talked to your server? Can I just, can we be practical tonight? I know, I know it's a little harder to be because, you know, but I just give me, when's the last time you spoke to your server? And you tried to feel out where they are. When's the last time you've gone to Walmart, a person's checking you out, and you looked into their eyes, and you realized the suffering that they have? When's the last time you looked at that homeless person and didn't do it with a sense of despondency, but you did it with compassion? I'm not trying to be hard just to be hard, but I believe that God wants to give us his greatest gift, and that's a passion for souls. You know what? Everything else becomes easier when the focus is the kingdom. Worship is easier. You know, I mean, it's, 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 he's on the throne. Worship is easier. Giving is easier when the kingdom is central. You know, do I believe God wants to bless his church financially? I definitely do. But do you know why he wants to do it? For the purpose of the kingdom. Does God want to bless your home? Yeah, he does, for the purpose of the kingdom. Wherever you bring the kingdom, there is going to be blessing that's there. And there's some of you guys, you're struggling in your spiritual state because you're trying to live a life that's Christ-like without the kingdom. You don't want God telling you what to do, where to go, how to get. If you're honest, we all got flesh. 
We like being in control. I don't want to live a passionate life for Christ. But we don't get to dictate those things. And here's what I believe. I believe the Lord wants to help us tonight. This isn't, this isn't an emotional, uh, this isn't an emotional experience. Now, does it engage your emotion? Of course, like most things do, most important things that are due. Right? But it's primarily a spiritual thing that God wants us to refocus, reshift some things so that the kingdom becomes central. I want us to pray here. I wonder if you could just close your eyes, and I just want you to begin to talk to the Lord, but I want you to ask God, God, help us to make the kingdom central. Help us to make the kingdom central. I'm going to pray in this mic here in the next few moments, but I want you to use your words, and I want you to begin to pray. We're not going to pray just for a few moments, but I want us to connect with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to follow what I'm saying, but we're just going to pray. I want you to pray for yourself. If you want to pray for your family, if you want to pray for your neighborhood, but I want you to ask God, God, help me to make the kingdom central father. God, I thank you, God, that you've been gracious and patient with us over these last few years, God.